until April, according to the stinger at the end of the show. But they left some open ends. It doesn't look like a closed story. And there was some great wrestling at Final Battle to discuss. Um, and to discuss it with me, a person who has followed Ring of Honor with me for the last 12 months and every special we've done, it's been Marcus going, hey, let's look at Ring of Honor this week. So Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, man, it's good to be back. I had to come back uh, for this uh, final you know, final battle, man. It's it's been an interesting journey. We've uh, me and you have taken uh, you know, coming back to Ring of Honor and you know, just following it. You know, obviously we do a lot of New Japan stuff, and you know, it's really it's really nothing we don't do here at the cover here at the Trooper <laughs> Show. You know, we really you know um, try to you know really get back in the Ring of Honor. Was you know enjoying it, and you know things seem to have a certain momentum, and then you know, you know life happens. I guess as it would or not. <laughs> You know, we had to come back, you know, because uh, if it was going to be the final, there was no way me and James couldn't come back and cover it. Like no, I say, exactly. it's, it's been a year, so, you know, we're going we gonna to close it out. Indeed, we will. Hopefully, from what people are saying and from what you see on the show, they will be back in April. But the basic upshot of was because we've bragged off how great employees they have been all year and paid people through COVID and made sure they had shows and made sure they had work with a reduced level of income. They've essentially run out of money, which is horrible, but that's the sad fact of wrestling. They did the right things, and unfortunately, it bit them in the end. And everyone for the company, from Ian Riccoboni to Jay Lethal to uh, Bobby Cruz, all got paid releases uh, for the end of this show, who could make and go for work whoever they want, work for whoever they want. I have a feeling some people will be on retainers, specifically the people who hold championship belts, because the belts have been allowed to go and be defended for whoever the person is working for who's champion at the moment. Um, we'll talk about those champions so we don't spoil the show as we're going through it. But it does seem we've already had some title defences uh, from quite a few people. So I was intrigued as to the choices that they kept for those championships. And I'm sure we can discuss that. Let's talk about Dragon Lee and Ray Horace, though. They opened the show. 11 minutes and 21 seconds. Dragon Lee, or Ryu Lee, as he's known in New Japan Pro Wrestling, of Les Faction Ignorables. That's not quite Los Ignorables. Kind of. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. It's all to do with money in AAA. Anyway, um, they had a barnstorm. This was ace. I, I, the thing is, with Dragon Lee kind of being stuck in AAA and Ring of Honor, you forget how good he is. And you mm. forget like he is literally one of the top three junior heavyweights in the world. I, I would say... My current top three junior heavyweights are Dragon Lee, Desperado, and Hiroma Takahashi. And they're just on a different level compared to everybody else. Not to say everybody else is bad, but we're getting to the point like it was in the mid-90s, where there's seven or eight junior heavyweights who are the best there's ever been, plus a bunch of other guys who would be awesome if it wasn't for the other seven or eight who were great. <laughs> you know, we, you know it's, it's hard to put these two together um, and, and have a bad affair. Um, and they they definitely took that 11, uh, 20 time to the max. And like you said, Dragon Lee is just brilliant. Uh, Ray Horace is another good one, but you Dragon yeah, Lee yeah. is in a specific tier. And if anybody's you know uh, long time Super Indie fans know, we always try to prop up Desperado as much as possible. <laughs> Somebody that can kind of get you know um, forgotten until you see him in a situation where it's like. Oh, he's not playing. Like, no, he he really is that guy. So, <laughs> um, and then obviously, you know, if you've ever seen Hiromu, you know, you really yeah, didn't yeah. know what they needed. So yeah. yeah. Um, but this was like you said, this was a hell of a way to open up the show. And uh obviously Lee got the win, you know, sending out um one for the, you know, the L I J faction and obviously well wishes to his big bro who's recovering and Roosh. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sad that they couldn't finish out their Ring of Honor careers. Well, you know, he's kind of representing the family, I guess, 
Uh, yeah. Ray Horace, don't get me wrong. I am not knocking Ray Horace. He's an exceptional professional wrestling talent. But he's yeah. one of those guys. It's like, you know, if you'd come along in any other era, <laughs> yeah, you'd be, yeah, it's just it's just the bar is that high right now. It just works best to Super Juniors. I mean, there's some, there's some drizzling shit. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but the top tier of New Japan Junior Heavyweights and AAA Junior Heavyweights and the lighter guys in Ring of Honor and in the X Division is superb at the moment. It's really, really high. Um, but yes, it was a cracking opener to a show which they were trying to stamp their authority on like what they've done for the down years for professional wrestling. And this next match kind of gave you the full plethora of new of Ring of Honor and its and its whole kind of shebang. You have yeah. people like Rhett Titus, who were homegrown Ring of Honor talents who were born and raised in the Ring of Honor mold. You have big international wrestlers like Joe Hendry, who kind of echoed the Nigel McGuinnesses and the Doug Williams of the early 2000s in his ascent in Ring of Honor, which was much higher than his ascent in Impact Wrestling, which didn't last very long. You've got Silas Young, the last of the real men, who's a kind of character that works really well in Ring of Honor because of who he is and how well he buys into that. And you've got Dalton Castle, a former Ring of Honor world champion, who's really defined himself within Ring of Honor. And this match was only eight minutes and 30 seconds, and it felt like half an hour. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Another bomb, Brian. And, and, you know, to your point, it, it really feels like, and this is not... Um, really saying that these guys can't go elsewhere, but they've really honed themselves and, and really been able to, you know, kind of define themselves in, in a really specific way. And obviously this match showed that in Ring of Honor. Like, I don't know. Um, it's always interesting to see that that Dalton Castle character try to go elsewhere uh, because it's, it's been so, you know, well-crafted in Ring of Honor. And somebody, like you said, like Silas Young, we've seen that character in other spurs, but it's it has a, a special... Uh, place in Ring of Honor, and then obviously, like you said, Joe Hendry didn't necessarily work out in Impact, but he, he seems like a natural fit. And then obviously, like you said, Red Titus is homegrown, so that that kind of past, present, future, and all that that blend was a it was a good showcase for this match. And like you said, another another situation where it's like it wasn't even ten minutes, but it, it felt like it went you know three times that. So you know, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, the work ethic and effort put on this show. And we're going to be talking about that, you know, throughout the show. But as the as the just the genuine feel of like we, this is how we feel about this company, despite everything that's going on. We're going to give out hundred to make sure we go out with a bang. You really felt that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Hendry's been stuck in Scotland. He's not been able to go there. I am slightly befuddled why Joe Hendry isn't a bigger star than he is because he has the size, he has the wrestling ability. He's a genuine athlete. He qualified for the Commonwealth Games and represented Scotland as an amateur wrestler, despite not actually being an amateur wrestler before. He was a professional wrestler first and then became an amateur wrestler and qualified for the Commonwealth Games to make himself more interesting. He went on, uh, I think it was Take Me Out, wasn't it, to do it to make himself more interesting. He That intro, he, on, on he goes on his show, he shot himself. He's kind of like he's kind of like the perfect WWE guy, but he never seems to get that call to go to the big company. And I don't know why, but I think if they wanted him, I think he would be, I'm, I'm, but then again, and we'll have this conversation later on. WWE doesn't want those guys anymore. Do they, they want things they can mold themselves. So maybe not him. Which is, which is interesting. Cause you know, if they dropped him right in 2.0, they just flip certain little things and then, try to spin it off like they you know they did make him so yeah yeah it's just it's just a bit weird but anywho Rhett Titus won that match by the way yeah he was an intriguing choice for champion out of those three obviously Silas Dalton who was the reigning champion and dropped the title here and Joe Hendry are bigger stars than Rhett Titus but Rhett Titus has been on the long burn the slow burn push for quite some time as a member of the foundation do you think Titus is the right choice as the long-term bet for the championship if you're bringing the company back? I don't know, but I mean, I appreciate them giving him the shot. Um, like I said, like you said, he, he has been on that that long burn. Um, and I, I think you, you kind of had a mix uh, of that on this uh, show. Of, like I said, it's obviously the past, present, future and everything mixed in and certain certain long-standing pillars of the company got the wins 
certain forms of the future got the wins and then certain current, you know, that that's been long stays uh, uh, kind of, you know, got the moment. So I don't know about long term, but I, I figure if you're going to go with a guy. Now, obviously, I think, like I said, going out is the final hoorah. I might have gave it to Silas because some kind of bias as Silas kind of says. <laughs> You know, give, give, give Silas a win. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, but Rhett, I mean, you know, you're gonna have somebody going out there defending it. You know, he's got the look. You know, obviously, long time running with the Midnight Express with my boy King. So, um, I don't know about long term, but I, I feel like he's a he's a hell of a guy to to to, to take the chance on. I think he's a safe pair of hands, and because yeah. he didn't get the pops the other three did, and he's not going to because he's not an established. He is an established star. He's not like over over like the other three are but i think yeah. you know he's a safe pair of hands he's not going to go and run off and defend the title in mexico and stuff <laughs> and get and lose it and i i'm intrigued by his character like uh i was watching um senior laureate senior laureate was as he does he pumps out his gifts on a regular basis and he was showing some stuff of uh oh um some old british wrestling and uh Finish was a drop kick, and he went, "Oh, Reptitus," because Reptitus uses a drop kick, the hydraulic drop kick as his finisher, which is so old school but so psychologically correct because he can do it anytime he wants to from a standing position or from the ropes or off the top rope. It makes perfect sense and is really, really logical. Uh, but it's yes. kind of old school for this day and age. But I think he's a guy you can build something around if you've got something going on when he comes back. Whereas Dalton, Joe, and Silas, they're kind of got they've got their thing. Whereas reptiles yeah. is something you can mold into something else. Agreed. Yeah, so we shall see. Ring of Honor Pure Championship, Josh Woods, who has really made himself a star this year, defeated Brian Johnson uh, by technical knockout into 12 minutes and 59 seconds. Johnson never shuts up, <laughs> which makes him a great heel. Um, and when I was like looking at it, I'm going like, really? Josh Woods versus Brian Johnson? You sure? <laughs> and I wasn't convinced. And I still wasn't convinced about three minutes into the match. And then the story started to unfold. And I was like, ah, this this actually makes a lot better sense than it should. It still wasn't great. It wasn't like, you know, some of the matches that Josh was has treated us to this year. And Johnson hasn't got the chops to keep up with this style, I don't think. So it was a bit awkward in places. But Johnson's a hardworking wrestler who will get over anywhere if you give him enough mic time. And that was kind of like what happened with this match. It wasn't supposed to be a pure wrestling classic. It was supposed to be yeah. uh, someone out of his depth trying to get away with it, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's one of those guys where even if he's not specifically his character and certainly his arsenal is not specifically tailored um, to this this style of match, he he's one of those grizzled guys. Kind of reminds me of a... Uh, um, obviously, he's going by a different name, but it kind of reminds me of a Trevor Lee. He's got that grit. To make you go oh yeah, yeah. and tough it out throughout the match, whereas you know, you know, like you said, Jay Woods has has truly been brilliant. One of the best things coming out of the Pure Tournament, um, and, and it has really you know showcased you know so so much of that potential realized, you know, and, and certainly pat on the back for the company making the right decision, uh, which is, it's never really a wrong decision when one of your options is is Jonathan Gresham, but you know, giving him <laughs> the opportunity to, to really show you know show show improve you know with the title. Yeah, definitely. Um, sure. It, I mean, yeah, I, we should love to talk about Woods as a long-term bet for Ring of Honor Pure Champion. It seems to me they've kind of like, with Titus and Woods and the other champions, they've kind of got the stars they want, and then they can build new talent around those stars. Obviously a lot cheaper because they're not paying for long-term contracts. And I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be a bit like GCW was a couple of years ago when they first really started to get cooking and they could afford to, but they didn't, they didn't have people on contracts and they probably still don't have people on contracts. They have people on handshake deals. Like they'll have um, uh, like Effie and Alley Cat on long-term deals because they're such a big part of the company. But yeah. I think the, I think I'm wondering if that's kind of the deal. They're going to keep the champions on a long leash, but they're going to be still under contract to an extent because I'm looking at who's signed for who and who has buzz for who. And that's the bit yeah. that kind of makes things intriguing, if you will. So we'll see. But yes, uh, Josh Woods versus Brian Johnson was was very, very good. And I don't think Woods is the 
the best. You, you want to keep him, really. You need that guy. I don't know what you do with him after this, but you need that guy because I could do things with him as a booker. Not that I'm a booker, but, you know, I could think of yeah. creative things to keep Josh Woods busy for years to come. Absolutely. Mm, definitely. Um, we've talked a lot about representation in Ring of Honor uh, because they have done a very good job of representing the whole wrestling community. And two people who kind of embody what African-American wrestling has been about for the last decade or so are Shane Taylor and Kerry King. And they had a fight without honor, 17 minutes and 47 seconds, where they used everything, including the kitchen sink. (laughs) In one of the best brawls I've seen this year, it wasn't my favorite match, because I am kind of turning into an old classicist as I go these days. I like a good wrestling match. But these two put their bodies on the line and did something exceptional with their last shot. Uh, Because I don't think these two will be coming back. I think they'll probably got jobs elsewhere, which will find them very, very busy, if you see what I mean. But I think that maybe this was the swan song for Kenny King and, and Shane Taylor as far as their life in Ring of One is concerned. And they certainly went out with a bang. What's your thoughts for this, Marcus? Yeah, this is certainly one of my personal favorites, uh, definitely on this show. And then actually of the year, like you said, it's one of the better brawls that we've seen. We've seen see stuff like this, uh, various degrees throughout you know all the companies but this this really had a, a, a feel like it had a different flair to it and obviously you know just kind of like you said being a swan song uh maybe potentially with the company but more specifically with these guys and it just you know it, it had everything um and, and taylor you know i've really turned the coin on him because he's been with ring one for a while but you know once they really put that spotlight on him kind of let him go um, kind of unhinged. He's been brilliant, and I've always, you know, uh, been a supporter of King on all the way back to his, you know, when he first came to Impact. So, you know, just seeing these two dudes collide and all the pride and the grit and the um, just everything, it, it was uh, really special to see. Uh, obviously, the 18 minutes, and then they, like you said, they tore the house down. Crowd was loving it, and uh, the match was, was great. And then, you know, after the match, it was a really uh, special moment. So. You know, I think it was a kind of all-encompassing uh, situation for this show. Yeah, definitely. It's It was probably the best match on the show, I think. Uh, maybe the tag title match was kind of maybe better, but I think it was a toss-up between those two matches, and it's kind of a legacy for both wrestlers um, because you don't, get, you don't get wrestlers like Shane Taylor in big companies anymore. He's too big. He's too... Brawler orientated, he's too many things that big wrestling companies don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's, sorry, Keith. Yeah, yeah, it's he's just not that kind of guy. And Kenny King uh, has been kind of a mainstay go to guy for Ring of Honor ever since he came back from Impact Wrestling. And yeah, it's it's just been intriguing to watch Shane Taylor kind of grow in these last couple of years as a character wrestler and kind of like there's there's a very real sense that the faction he leads don't necessarily get the opportunities that they should do and i'll be intrigued to see where they all go next because there's a very talented group of wrestlers uh shane taylor productions if you put them as a unit in any wrestling company they'd be amazing absolutely (laughs) take them sorry marcus no, I was saying, yeah, you like you say, you put you put them in and when I, and because me, I'm because I'm biased because I've loved everything that they've done. Like they, I feel like he, they, the two of them, uh, Shane Taylor promotions have been the, the perfect uh, pieces to his puzzle. Mm. Um, you know, with uh, also O'Shea Moses. Um, you know, if those three show up anywhere together, they're gonna take over instantly. It's it's, it's a no brainer. You know. Yeah, definitely. Okay, then. We move on to the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship match where Willow took Roxy to 10 minutes and 18 seconds of a very good professional wrestling match, which I enjoyed incredibly. Dave Meltzer apparently didn't, and I think he needs to get his head checked. But there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 1.3 quarters of a star. David, good Lord. 6.39 from the cage match users, which I think is still a little underdone, but I thought it was very, very good for what it was. I like Willow Nightingale an awful lot. I think she's an amazing professional wrestler, and I think she is the right professional wrestler for Ring of Honor to be kind of put in in this particular spot. 
She's got a whole lot of talent. She needs more opportunities, and this was a kind of perfect storm for her. I love Roxy as champion. I kind of see why they'd want to keep the belt on her, and that makes perfect sense. Uh, we've got some a guest to talk about after this particular match, which we will do shortly after this. But what's your thoughts on the match first? Yeah, watching this, and obviously, you know, I, th- I think me and me and James uh, always be advocates for giving women more time. Um, but like you said, they 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 packed it in. This was a, this was a good showing. Obviously, like you said, most of my need to get his head checked. Um, <laughs> Even beyond just for for his rating for this match, but um, yeah, th- this was one of the more we're gonna also talk about and maybe get to some of the the messages throughout the night that they showed. Um, but this specifically is one of the more disappointing reasons why it's so sad with everything because this women's yeah. division just getting the momentum that is needed for so long with the talent that is needed and feels like the direction and this is what they need more of. And now it's kind of like it's so up in the air and it's like, it's just like we need more of this, like to the point where we get not one, but two women's matches on the show. And that's yeah. where this could and should be going. And now it's it's kind of, you know, up in the air. But, you know, we did get this, like you said, Willow Nightingale, what, hell of a name, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, and obviously Roxy is, you know, comes along as that, that confident, but that underdog quality as well. So you, you love to see it. Um, and it, it was just a, it was a quality match. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Willow this year with GCW as well. And she is, she's an outstanding talent. You know, she's kind of like, she's going to be like the next Jordan Grace level wrestler as far as like power and science is concerned. She's got the size. She's got the look. She's awesome. And charisma, charisma to burn as well. So she could be like really big if somebody can harness all that. And Roxy as well. She's charismatic. She's a great wrestler. Then uh, when uh, Roxy won the match and the congratulations were over, the Munich for music for the Virtuosa, Diana Parazzo, the current Rain Darias from AAA, which is one hell of a forbidden door to kick open, considering the fact that AAA have a deal with, uh, sorry, CMLL have a deal with Ring of Honor <laughs> to swap talent. But let's let that, that slide because pretty much all the Forbidden Doors were kicked open tonight. And she challenged Roxy to the Ring of Honor Championship for women. Once she had regained the uh, Impact Knockouts Women's Championship from Mickey James at Hard to Kill, which is this weekend, I think. Or is it next weekend? I can't quite remember. At some point. <laughs> um, which means that, which is a Texas death match, by the way. Um, so, yeah, that could be intriguing. And to layer intrigue on top of intrigue, Roxy was spotted at the WWE tryouts last week. So, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that, that, uh, Mr. Hard Green, to kill. what do we say? Yeah, Hard to Kill is until the, uh, the, the 8th and the New Year in January. Ah, right. Okay. So it's, it's the, yeah. it's the weekend after Wrestle Kingdom, which is not a bad yeah. time to do it because, um, you have to pay for that New Japan Noah card separately. They're not putting it on New Japan World or Wrestle Universe. So, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully she she does uh, get it off me. I'm just more favorable to, to Deanna. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, like you said, it, it was another cool thing to see, really cool. Because, uh, I mean, there's narrative history there that line about you are holding something that should have always been fine yeah going back to potentially why the whole thing of why we got Deanna and and, and impact in the first place is because ring of honor wasn't ready um we're, we're potentially setting up Deanna uh to, to uh to be where Roxy is right now with that title you know they yeah. didn't have ducks lined up in a row and then obviously as a result of that um Deanna went to impact and finally honed and brought out the the full versatility of that virtuoso character and so we're here maybe you know that's that's the beauty of a fumble is you can bring it if you can bring it back full circle like this i mean you know, I, so. I think you, you could even go back even further and argue that diana perazzo and mandy leong were the kind of the people pushing the women's division of women of honor back in the day um yeah. they were the ones pushing it forward moving it forward moving it forward and then WWE came a-calling and said, hey, come work for us. 
we'll pay you loads of money and put you on international TV and make you a star and then left it down in Florida to rot. Um, So there is a lot of, you know, history between Diana Perazzo and Women of Honor, as it was, and Ring of Honor. Um, And I think she's a professional. She could be the woman that you build that division around, even if you bring all of your challenges back to chase her down. And if Roxy does go to WWE, you've got people like Willing Nightingale and, and people like that who can really kind of like push forward for it. I mean, I think one of the biggest divis- disappointments for me from this division is the fact that, um, um, oh, Irish wrestler, Session Moth, Martina, chose Ring of Honor over WWE, went to one TV taping and then got uh, blocked back in Europe because she couldn't go anywhere. Also lost a ton of weight because she had nothing else to do. So she went to the gym and makes made herself look amazing. And then as soon as she gets a chance to go back to the States because the borders opened up again, the company she works for has gone out of business. <laughs> and it's just like, you have to laugh because it's like, she must be going through hell over that. You know, she has plenty of work lined up and she will never go out of business because she's an exceptionally talented professional wrestler who can create story-based um uh, story-based wrestling uh, an alarming rate of knots as long as she's got a platform she'll be fine but it is just like such a shame for wrestlers like that yeah and like like you said we'll, we'll see how things fall but like you said somebody talented like that specifically and it's always cool to see wrestlers completely change physically because mm. it's, it's not easy to do you could easily just kind of stay in, in one thing in one zone but you know that that's a completely different that's a lifestyle change um yeah. you know, we, we see it a lot a lot of times so that's always always got a ton of respect uh when i see that and obviously like i said roxy and then will and i and gail and uh obviously diana is, is all over the place so um hopefully we see a, a lot more of these women uh potentially like roxy and willow uh consistently pass through impact because there's a lot of potential now um between the dump that wwe did and everything potentially going on in Ring of Honor, it is a plethora of free agency. Definitely, for sure. Um, whilst you were talking about Diona, there was uh, representation from AEW, former wrestlers, including CM Punk, Brian Danielson, the Young Bucks, Adam Page, all the way through the evening, um, which I thought was really important, um, you know, and noticeable by the absence, obviously, were AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, who were probably the biggest corner uh, cornerstones of Ring of Honor. But it was yeah. nice that AEW did that. We found out how close the Ring of Honor-AEW relationship was later on the card, which we'll talk about in a moment or two. I keep doing this, but there were so many surprises on this card. It may actually have been the best pure wrestling match of, best pure wrestling card of the year. And they certainly saved their best to last, certainly North America. Um, it, it was everything. <laughs> All of the things at once. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so let's move on to the next match, which involves people from New Japan Pro Wrestling, because of course it does. <laughs> Rocky Romero on loan from Chaos, tagged with Violence Unlimited, Brody King, Homicide, and Tony Deppen, who was accompanied by Chris Dickinson, versus Team Foundation, EC3, Eli Isom, Taylor Russ, and Tracy Williams. With 13 minutes and 32 seconds of the Team Foundation expanded roster, um, there's been some changes in the foundation, but um, yeah, Rocky Romero Violence Unlimited. There was only really one going to be one women's in this match. You brought Rocky to to the show, then you, they're going to win. <laughs> Ain't coming all this way to lose. Um, <laughs> Deppen and Homicide as well, and you had Homicide wearing the original um, jumpsuit that he wore on the very first Ring of Honor show some 20 years ago. This was a very important match for the history of Ring of Honor. You've had some big names who did some big stuff with the company. Um, you know, I think it was important as well because Chris Dickinson's renaissance really started in Ring of Honor since he uh, got picked to go work for them. The same for Deppen as well. He's really built his brand as a champion this year and as a go-to guy for GCW and for Ring of Honor. Um, and Brody King has always been a big staff ring runner. On the other side, Tracy Williams has been a workhorse. Taylor Rust and Eli Isom, they have been as well. And EC3 is just about hitting his stride. And we think he has some plans for somewhere down the line, at least um, given what has happened at the end of this match. Your thoughts on this one, Marcus? 
This was a cracker. Like it, it, it just got to the point where you start caring about the, in the middle of uh, start caring about exactly everything that was going on on, on any technical point, and you just started smiling because you saw the guys <laughs> and and like you said, it was so important for Ring of Honor because it, it truly was showing the history, respect, and uh, just everything that's encompassed it. I mean, like you said, you had to, you know, homicide and overalls and, and so many callbacks and the moves. The moves like you you love to see it. I mean, he pulled out the the I guess you know the Gringo Killer and then you know, <laughs> I stuff and then um, it, it was just it was just really beautiful to see, man. Um, and like you said, I mean, you know, violence unlimited. You got you got King and King's a one man army in itself, practically. <laughs> King homicide on the way. When the homicide's on, it's a show. Like Deppin's another another level, and, and and Romero's a wild card. And while I am a um, a fan of Eason, he was just on the wrong wrong side. Um, <laughs> clearly, EC3 had alternative plans, regardless. So um, yeah, was that, that like you said, this was a really important match, and with everything that was going on, that that was just so many callbacks. It was hard to care about the result. It was just it, you know, I was happy to see that it was happening at all. Yeah, this was kind of like a statement about 20 years of professional wrestling, a statement about the career of homicide, and a statement about what new, about what Ring of Honor means to people, really. Um, and yeah, this was one of those matches. It didn't really matter what happened in the ring um, because it was kind of giving, you know, they were giving all that. Was it this point where Rick Abani just gave in and just started swearing and stuff? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Practically a kid, anyway. Thank God, we've always had Coleman to kind of taper. <laughs> but yeah, this, this if there ever there was a a, a, a night for Rick Abani to go full Rick Abani, it was. <laughs> Ian, you can't say things like that. Who's gonna find me? It's <laughs> like, well, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, you go, you go, you. Uh, Caprice Coleman and Ian Rick Abani, by the way, have become low key one of the best commentary teams in professional wrestling. I hope they find a job. I know Rick Avani is now doing some commentary work for New Japan Strong, and I hope he stays with that company. And I hope Coleman goes with him because they are a really good commentary pair. They're not. They're a bit like uh, Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly. They're understated. They're realistic. They clearly enjoy their work. And um, that's why I like them, because they're kind of like... I. I it's a bit like when Chris Charlton got... got demoted to translator a few years ago by New Japan Pro Wrestling and within two days was back as commentator because they'd had that many complaints. <laughs> to me, that's what a commentary team should sound like now. So Coleman and Riccoboni are perfect as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, um, I hope they do find work. And yeah, this match. So after this match, EC3 cars out Brian Johnson. Who else was there? I can't remember. It was Eli Ice and Brian Johnson and somebody else. Um, was it Taylor Rust? I think so. But he basically, he didn't berate them. He, he thanked them for all their hard work and told them that there was a better future for professional wrestling and then said, unleash the Titan. And three of his new oppos came down and beat everybody up. And that was create your own narrative. That's the start of his new faction. And we don't know where they're wrestling or what happened next with them. But I'm assuming that that'll be something to look forward to in the return of Ring of Honor in April, if that actually works. What do we think, Marcus? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, st I'm still on the sideline with the EC3 narrative stuff. It's been cool to see that potentially evolve. And I think for me, I've enjoyed seeing him once the bell rings, as opposed to before, hmm. come to EC3. And then obviously he brought out somebody uh, being a Titan I really don't care about. Um, <laughs> It's kind of you know it's like oh okay that happened <laughs> that that's that's kind of where I'm at with like you said hopefully um, if they do come back that'll be a, a thing that kind of connects even more if they they come back but for me I'm I'm just like please don't bring that over to Nashville <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yeah I think we think we've had enough of overbearing factions it's been the downfall of professional wrestling this year in my humble opinion. Um, I'm, I'm sick of the sight of the house torture, be honest with you. Be happy if I never saw them wrestle again, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I had a big yeah. argument with Walter Yeats this week 
from um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Me and Walter don't agree on a lot of stuff because he, he seems to think that New Japan Pro Wrestling can do no wrong. Which <laughs> is just like, well, and his his argument was that well, um, uh, House of Torture got good responses in the house show, and Western fans should t- toughen up. Not all baby faces should be likable, so not all heels should be cute and likable. And it's like it's not cute. But it's not that they're cute, Walter. It's that they're boring. <laughs> it's dull. It's really dull. I mean, it's really really dull. What's the point in watching matches? You know, going to be screwy finishes. What's the point? Let's let's watch decent wrestling matches. But he can't. He, he didn't see my point. But there we go. That's the thing. Conversation is always worth moving forward. Anywho, let us move on to what could be the best match of the night, and arguably one of the best tag matches you will ever see: the OGK, the original Kingdom. Matt Taven and Mike Bennett unsuccessfully defended the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions against the Living Legends and now 12-time Tag Team Champions and then GCW Tag Team Champions, which they still are now, Jay and Mark Briscoe. Maria Canellis came out to accompany the OGK in an OG style and her presence was felt um, because, you know, they didn't always wear high white hats and needs must and championships needed to be win, which is the kind of interference I don't mind. But it was two babyface teams. All of the kids from Sandy Fork, Delaware, so looks like they got a bus and a, and a joint rate to, to take half the population of Sandy Fork, Delaware, down to the front row. And Jay and Mark put in an absolute uh, unit of a workload in this particular match, as did Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. Um, Taven has been incredibly important to the recent history of Ring of Honor, and I know is not everyone's cup of tea. Mike Bennett, again, an important person as far as the long-term history of Ring of Honor is concerned, and so is Canellis, all the way back to the days in the early 2010s, uh, representing Ring of Honor um, trios, as King of Trios back in the day, where he got his head kicked in by Mako Satamura. That was one of my favorite wrestling moments ever, where Bennett's on his knees begging Satamura to kick him, and she kicks him in the chest, and the crowd just go, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Briscoes, uh, Briscoes, you, you, quality comes with what it says. I may not like their political standpoint, but I got to give them their due. They can wrestle their asses off. Marcus, what's your thoughts on this matchup? No, man, I'm right with you. The Briscoes are who they are, and if you know, it's one of those situations where, like you said, despite how you may feel about, you know, um, they are uh, real life politics when it comes to this wrestling game. If it ain't broke, you know, when it comes to them, mm-hmm. absolutely. And and for the OGK, I mean, it's really been really cool to see the the journeys of of um, the kingdom, uh, Taven specifically, um, because he really had to, to, to go off and hone himself as a single star, um, and and to the point where to, to get the company to back him to put the title on him and kind of just let him go despite uh, potential uh, public perception of the guy. He really has is shown and proved and really honed himself into a true individual in that company outside of that. And then to see Bennett um, do his thing um, and, and really had to define himself outside of Ring of Honor and, and the journey that's been both uh, professionally and personally. And, and, and Maria, even by his side, she's had to kind of redefine herself going all the way back to, you know, her days in WWE and, and shedding that that uh, perception and honing herself into you know, a true staple in wrestling, not only as a valet, but somebody behind the scenes really, you know, championing and doing something about improving the perception and execution of women's wrestling in a place like Ring of Honor. So to see all that come together, obviously there's a certain bay bay, you know, that's not there, but it didn't, uh-huh. it didn't, didn't need to be because, you know, OGK, and you couldn't have these two come out and not have Maria there. That That's, that, that's the, you know, a cool the resistance, if you say, to the to the uh, piece. So it was really cool to see, like you said, probably the best match of the night. Um, two uh, teams that have truly been defined in this company uh, came together and put on a, a bomb burner of a match. And look, in terms of a winner, I mean, it's the Briscoes. The narrative is with the Briscoes. <laughs> Like I said, if, if stuff haven't come, hadn't came up, I'd put legitimate money that I, I don't have to put down on the fact that those <laughs> two would retire from wrestling in Ring of Honor. It's just what it is. The Briscoes are synonymous with Ring of Honor. So This um, is one of those things. It reminded me of the Arn Anderson line when 
Mick Foley joked about beating Ron Simmons at Clash of the Champions when Ron Simmons was WCW world champion and Arn Anderson looked up at him and went, I don't care if the bastard dies, you will roll him on top of you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great laugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just like, well, OJK out winning this. I'm sorry, but <laughs> but be a riot. You can't, you can't. It's just, it's just not happening. <laughs> But yeah, it it was it was it was exceptionally good. You just can't do it. You can't say anything less. And I will say, OJK. Before we talk about the Briscoes a little bit more, OJK have been doing publicity shots to be working as a tag team post Ring of Honor with Maria Kanellis. You can pay for their services, and they will come and give you one hell of a tag team wrestling match. And you should, if you're a promoter out there who listens to the show. Not many of them you do, but if you do, book them now because they're amazing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, it's always cool to see when when uh, people come together like that and they realize they can be better together and there's more, you know, longevity uh, with them coming because obviously they they they've had their individual strides. Obviously, Taven has uh, gone further because of you know uh, with Ring of Honor, but you know Bennett when those two were together, specifically what they did in New Japan, I think really molded them as a true, um, you know, unit, and it kind of feels like they really clicked together in, in real life uh off screen so um yeah like you said you, you want their services they will come and give you a hell of a match and it's always great to hear that uh that ogk theme song so indeed it is and then the lights go out in the old paul Heyman ecw style and if you know the lights go out then something's gonna happen and funnily enough it just reminded me you know, about 30 years ago, the lights went out in the ECW arena, and when it came back up, Jim Cornette was stood there with a tennis racket, and that reminded me of this, because when the lights came up, the FTR was stood facing down the Briscoes. Who's the best tag team in the world? Is it the AAA World Tag Team Champions? Is it the Ring of Honor GCW World Tag Team Champions? Well, we're going to find out sooner rather than later as they will be booked on a match somewhere for all the marbles. This isn't about titles. This is about being the best. And as um, they used to say, of the Road Warriors used to say, winning the titles is a matter of achievement. Ruling the wrestling world is a matter of pride. That's what this story is about. And that's what will drive yeah, us I forward for wherever it happens. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny, too, because I think back to some of those videos, um, those tribute videos that we got, and, and one person that came up uh, was Matt Hardy, and he talked about mm -hmm. ladder wars. I'm looking at these these two teams, I'm like, this is the exact opposite. If you're talking about the antithesis of the Bucks versus the Hardys, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is like watching the Andersons wrestle Jay... Uh, Jay Strongbow and Ricky Steamboat in 1977. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, somebody, kids need to be alerted. Somebody's dad ain't coming home with all their teeth, and it's not going to have anything <laughs> because ladders were involved. These four men do not need ladders. It's going to hurt hard enough. <laughs> this is just, it's the, it's the one thing that comes out of here that really blows your mind. This is like, and this is, again, this is Forbidden Door stuff. You know, you've got guys who work for GCW are the current Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, FDR, the current AAA World Tag Team Champions, um, who work in AEW. Where's that going to take place? Is it a big money showdown ready for April for Ring of Honor when they come back? Or is it uh, an AEW Supercard show? Or is it just a big house show somewhere? I don't know, but we'll see what happens with that because that's probably the most intriguing and big name angle that came out of this entire show. Yeah. Yeah, so we get to the main event though. Jonathan Gresham challenges Jay Lethal for the vacant Ring of Honor match uh, championship as uh, Al Bandido, um, who has unfortunately kind of fallen from grace with wrestling fans in the last six months. And on top of that, got COVID, so he couldn't defend the championship here and had to vacate it. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about Bandido in a second, because he's kind of like put himself in some horrible positions lately. Uh, but let's talk about Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal. Lethal has left the foundation and signed with AEW. Um, so it's likely that he will not be back in April. And Gresham is the guy who's been on the rocket ship push this year for Ring of Honor. 
and was the obvious person to take the championship forward once Bandido was made unavailable. Um, and I'm not sure Bandido's the guy you want in this position because, again, we're talking about outside of hands like we talked about with Josh Woods and Sidney. Uh, or Diana Perazzo, they're both a safe, they're all a safe pair of hands, and I'm not sure Bandido is. Not there's not any knocking on him or anything, but he's made some wrong choices politically speaking. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, um, Jonathan Gresham, though, is the definition of a safe pair of hands, and this match wasn't the greatest match I've seen him in, but it was exceptionally good, and it really showed what Gresham was capable of in places. It made things a little bit too soft and a little bit too smooth for my taste because it should have had a little bit more grit to it. But I'm nitpicking here. I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed the story. Lethal had to be that. He has been the face of Ring of Honor for the last five or six years with his two world title runs and numerous television and tag team championship runs. He is the man. And if you're going to pass that torch off to anyone, it has to be Jonathan Gresham, who has been the man for the last 12 months, as far as the build-up to this match is concerned. And I think he probably would have upended for the Bandido for the title, whether the company ended or not, because they have just put so much into making Jonathan Gresham a star. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, I agree with everything you said, man. It's the best of, of, of what it's uh, in the modern era, modern era of Ring of Honor, when you look past, the, like you said, the, the styles of Daniels, Joes, and Punks. Um, you look years down the line, Jay Lethal represents the best of, of what it's uh, what's come from that, I think. Um, and I think Gresham ultimately represents the best of where it was going and where it could go. Um, and I think that's where you get that proverbial passing of the torch and uh, continuing that idea of, of God, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Obviously, Gresham brought back that pure title. They could have easily... Um, Threw in something new like with the uh, the other titles, uh, but they brought back obviously the OG Pure title, and then for this one the OG uh, Ring of Honor title, which you know has so much more, which hit so much more with this potentially being the final show. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, like you're saying, you're not only ending it with with two of the uh, the best in the company, but again um, showing more of that the growth and the diversity across the company over the years, and, and with two of the more notable uh, black wrestlers in the industry, you know, and and just I think uh, somebody called it out, bringing that that OG uh, old school Ring of Honor style of like this is gonna be the best match of the night and and the or the most important match of the night I should say, and the, and the the roster pulled out for it, and then that was another cool thing to see. So yeah, yeah, uh, you know they you know they put it on Gresham and like you said that push to the moon that's the the apex of it, and. Uh, like I said, you can never go wrong with a decision when when Gresham's an option. You know, he represents the best of what the business I think is and can be. Uh, you can see the pride that he has in it. Um, obviously, he isn't sure you know, traditional uh, idea of what you think a wrestler could or should be or, or was years ago. But I think he represents the best of what it's what it's evolved into. So um, yeah, yeah, it was just it, it was just. Uh, a good moment and, and definitely like you said the right decision also of course as well it was really cool to see jordan grace come to congratulate him uh um, oh yeah which you know um impact wrestlers on uh ring of honor the the warist the warist board this isn't like it was like a few years ago when ring of honor got a distribution deal on discovery the same as impact wrestling and things were not not pleasant for a while um yeah. But yeah, now things have kind of chilled out a little bit. Um, we're all good. And uh, it was nice to see Jordan actually told to celebrate the championship. But I was talking about Bandido. Bandido. The basic issue with Bandido and why he has kind of like dropped off the radar, especially with UK fans, is because he's been booking a promotion in his hometown in Mexico and booked the former Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, Travis Banks, who left the industry in the UK after it was discovered he was having uh, inappropriate affairs with young trainees at the Future Shock Academy and has not been able to get a job since until he got a job in Mexico with Bandido. And a lot of long-term fans of Bandido have certainly turned their back on him because though he apologized, he still kept booking Travis Banks. So yeah, that's one of the reasons why he's perhaps 
not the Hoss prop pussy was a while ago, um, because you know there's this future care there that's that's been raised as an issue. Um, one of the things that uh, did surprise people was Jay Lethal signing with AEW, arguing that well, if you've got Jonathan Gresham there, why would you pick Jay Lethal? Which does point me more towards the idea that Gresham's probably signed long-term with Ring of Honor, though he's starting his own promotion terminus out of Atlanta in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling that if he's going to be Ring of Honor champion, you could be the top dog in that company or go to AEW and have to work all, start all over again. And Jake Lethal's in a much better position to start all over again than Jonathan Gresham is. So I think it works out for both of them. Would you agree? No, absolutely. You know, and, and, and to me, at a certain point, it was kind of like, I think it says a lot about the, the potential, um, what this whole thing, Ring of Honor could, could go or not go, when Jay Lethal kind of is like, uh, banned it was kind of like how people felt when, like, if Jeff Jared left TNA, it's really, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, the time you wanted to get the captain jumping off ship, um, but... But no, I just think, you know, to your point, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. He's he's had his run. You know, he had one of the greatest runs to me in the modern era when he first won that Ring of Honor title when he was a TV champion. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my favorite times to watch the company. Um, it was just brilliant to see him have that ascension coming off of everything that he didn't necessarily get to do in Impact, even with all that he did in the exhibition. So um, that, and then obviously he had a second run, which I don't think compares to the, to the first, but that the first one felt, kind of felt like lightning in the bottle, but he's he's done everything you can do in Ring of Honor. He's faced everyone, and I, I just think you know he looks at AEW's new horizon. Like you said, he's in a far better position. To whereas you know in a lot of ways Gresham is for the company now what Jay was for his first title run. Yeah, uh, his world title run anyway. So you know um, you know we'll see where it goes. I think, but like I said, Gresham is that guy who has a lot of pride. Is you know, uh, clearly is very loyal and I think has a lot of hope and, and what, you know, potential for Ring of Honor can be, but also not a dummy because he's like, look, however this goes, I'm going to have something for myself. I got to yeah. set myself. And so, you know, that, that terminus idea, and he's heavily respected in the industry. And I think even more respect for him starting his own thing because um, you, you, you have to invest in yourself. So um, that that's really cool to see. Um, so we'll, like you said, we'll we'll see where it goes. But I did not know that stuff about Bandito, and that's that sucks. But you know, um, there are consequences to every decision we make, no matter how well intended they are. So and yeah. whatever you know, we've seen from the from the uh, speaking out movement, you have to expect that that's that's going to happen. And and with you know the caveat of you know. His his talent in the ring is you know goes without saying, but you know with him being a mask and the whole um, maybe not being so fluent in English, that doesn't help. You know no. with the situation, so you know he may have backed himself into a corner there. You know we wish all these guys the best, all the guys we can root for, we wish the best anyway. And uh, yeah, but we'll see how that we see how that falls, man. We do. That's it. I mean, Bandido undoubtedly is a great professional wrestling talent. And if you're starting on your own promotion, as Jonathan Gresham is going through now, there is politics to that situation. And some of that politics isn't going to come out well. So you have to kind of, you know, look at it. It's the same thing. I was, we were talking with John Dinsdale about this not long ago. One of the promotions in Puerto Rico, for reasons best known to themselves, has started booking Marty Girl. And it's like, you know, Amari Skull is an absolute pariah in the North American wrestling industry. He cannot get a job anywhere. Um, New Japan tried to, rumor has it that New Japan tried to book him for a show, but the talent walked out and wouldn't work with him, which will tell you how far down the road Marty Skull has uh, taken himself out of the industry. Um, and Travis Banks is kind of the same particular player in the same situation. Is it worth it? In Mexico, it probably doesn't matter because the fans are not aware of what's happened in WWE UK or in Future Shock in Manchester or in Progress in London. But yeah. in that's 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 a home audience for for a small company in Mexico. Of course it is. Um, but again, as far as British fans are concerned, that's that's still something that you just don't do. And 
a lot of people put a lot of time and money and effort into Travis Banks and were very disappointed by his actions and feel very strong about it still because this is still, you know, um, and as they should because he had the trust of the fans and it didn't work out and that's just the way things go as well as a bunch of other people. We've talked about ad infinitum over the last couple of years. But anywho, let's talk about the legacy of Ring of Honor to finish this show. For you, Marcus, what is the legacy of Ring of Honor? Legacy of Ring of Honor is, you know, um, going back, talking about some of those videos, about um, those trippy videos of various guys, you know, rightfully so, talking about paying their respect. I don't know what it's meant for them, but what it's meant to the industry. Ultimately, it was a place for guys that just loved wrestling, that was purely, you know, had a love for it and good for it. Um, and had an innate ability to thrive at it, to thrive in a place um, that was just all about the art form and allowed them to do that for a time, potentially where they could get to a place where they could go on and get bigger because of the foundation that was built in Ring of Honor. Um, And even if it, it wasn't a springboard for some guys, it was a place where guys could, you know, build and, and, and stand and become a form of a household uh, talent, but you know, ultimately, you know, um, I think CM Punk said this. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, no matter what happens, maybe it's one of those things where we shouldn't be disappointed um, about the the potential lack thereof, but just the fact that it happened at all, because it gave us names like CM Punk and Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and Nigel McGuinness and you know Brian Danielson and. At the end of the day, you know, everything is done to matches, potentially one of the greatest that I've seen, thanks to you, and us covering it, uh, Samoa Joe versus Kenta Goodbye. <laughs> uh, without doubt, you know, that 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 symbiotic relationship of a wrestling company and and, and an audience, a fan base, um, really was kind of, in a lot of ways, defined by Ring of Honor. And they really, you know, kind of filled that gap after ECW and WCW went went down. You know, and they, they stood the test of times through many ups and many downs. And they're certainly not the company they were. Um, knowing a lot of ways maybe they, sh- they should be because you, ha- you do have to evolve with the times. But they have always been a place where prime talent could be honed and, and crafted whether they stayed or went. And I think that fingerprint on the industry, like so many of say in those review videos, um, continue to be felt, you know, the best and brightest. If, if any, anybody has ever been anybody or everybody has ever been anybody came through Ring of Honor. Um, that's and, that's, and that's, I think that's, that's one of the best legacies you can have. You, know? I think you, you look at that first show 20 years ago and it had Super Crazy versus Eddie Guerrero on it and that didn't go on last. They put Chris Daniels, um, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe on last. I'm pretty sure it was those three. I know I've been homicide, <laughs> but they put they put the homegrown young guys on last because they're the ones who were going to be the future of the company. Eddie was going back to WWE. He was on a short break after his first drug suspension, and he was being a good boy and making sure he did crossing his eyes and dotting his t's because um, he wanted his job back with WWE. Um, but Gabe Sapolsky, who was the, the, the booker then, said, no, we're going to put the future of the company in the hands of the young guys and see how they roll with it. And it was the right decision that Ring of Honor have made ever since. And it's booked, it, sorry, it, it has influenced bookers like Tony Khan, uh, like Impact Wrestling, and certainly like Vincent Kennedy McMahon, as hard as that may be to believe, look at the guys who've been the top of his company and the regular performers Yes, Roman Reigns, and yes, Randy Orton, but also Samoa Joe and AJ Styles um, and Seth Rollins, three figures who are from Ring of Honor history. You know, that's the importance of Ring of Honor. They've changed the wrestling style in North America. You know, a lot of it came down to the Davey Richards, Eddie Edwards, American strong style, but it, it isn't strong style. It's kind of a closer relation to traditional um, wrestling from the Southeast and a mix of King's Road storytelling that has really redefined the way wrestling could be produced in North America, which is really what they were after. They were after something different, and they found something different. You know, Impact Wrestling was founded on the principle, where did all those WCW fans go? They ended up watching Ring of Honor, 
and that's that's an important distinction to make you know there was a home for professional wrestling that wasn't sports entertainment and that was an important place for wrestling to go and that's one of the reasons why there are so many places to work now because ring of honor set reset the boundaries of what professional wrestling could be in north america and they will always have that legacy absolutely right then thank you very much for listening to the troopany show today marcus where can we find you on the internet sir yeah, just, you know, hit me up on Twitter, always down to talk. Um, at Paradox Kid, that's P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. There you go. Next weekend, uh, on Monday, we will be having our year-end awards, uh, Christmas edition, when I've <laughs> recorded the other bit with John. John doesn't know this yet. <laughs> I recorded the first bit with Alex last week. So me and Alex have our American awards. It's already two hours long. Let's see how long we can make one show. the following week we'll be at Budokan Hall for Noah's uh, massive show at Budokan where the GHC heavyweight championship will be on the line between Nakajima and Go Shiozaki which will be ungodly I can't imagine what them two mad people are going to do to one another we'll see and then the following week it is Wrestle Kingdom week as of the 4th of January, the 4th, 5th, and the 8th. Now, we might not get the 8th on time, but the 4th and the 5th, we definitely will. As Shingo Takagi defends the IWGP World's Heavyweight Championship against the G1 current title holder, Kazuchika Okada. And maybe we can get rid of that ugly belt. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then whoever wins that wrestles Wilmington. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> but the one thing that I knew would make you happier than a happy, happy person on really good drugs was the fact that Chaos won the World Tag League. Do you want a moment to bask in your joy? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I, I dialed back and forth, man, because like I say, LIJ New Japan is one of the coolest factions you'll ever see. Uh, but Chaos does feel like that heartbeat. Um, so um, that's good, you know. It's always good when when chaos can pull out a win. So uh, one time for the chaos faction. <laughs> uh, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto had the best match they've ever had against Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi on the Saturday, on the Sunday night, in um, the final night of block action. And my favorite thing from wrestling all year was that Goto and Yoshihashi beat. ZSJ and Tai Chi. Tai Chi was so angry, he had to go get the rule book to try and figure out how they'd lost. That, <laughs> that what you just said alone is so many Christmas gifts. Tai <laughs> Chi <laughs> taking a numerous amount of L's. Um, Yoshiashi getting a, getting a win. And anytime Goto uh, gets the spotlight, it's 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 a good day. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tachi taking nails. That's a, that's a good interview. <laughs> well, well, but the, then the, the, the thing is, they calmed down and they went back to the ring, and um, they're all having a chat <laughs> in Japanese with Zack Saber Jr. because he speaks, he lives in Japan now and speaks fluent Japanese. They're all having a chat afterwards as things calm down, and Taichi says, "You gotta go win this now, so we can wrestle you again." And uh, Zack Sabre Jr. in, in Japanese, and Zack Sabre Jr. comes out in English because they're wrestling House of Torture in the final the, on the Wednesday. And Zack Sabre Jr. says, you beat us, you can win this. You can win World Tag League. So don't piss about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's so Zack. And then, of course, they didn't. And they went and they won World Tag League. And it was really happy moment for everyone and i knew that you and christy would be so so happy and the fact that me and alex watt have been saying for the last seven years it's yoshi hashi's year eventually we would be right yeah and, and i mean the people that understand that's that's coming i mean that that may be even strong commitment and you and uh you and i's commitment the the, the you know hang in there with impact because Yoshi's <laughs> journey has been one of, of, of trials and tribulations. Um, and, and he's had moments of brilliance. But, um, yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll finally get something. Now, now that the, the magic has been sprinkled on, on Hashi, 
Uh, maybe we'll finally get some with our boy Sonata. Maybe. Well, maybe so. Um, he's wrestling Great O'Khan at Wrestle Kingdom. NATO had to pick an argument with someone, so he picked an argument with Jeff Cobb. So by <laughs> default, Sonata ended up wrestling Great O'Khan. Oh, man. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, so that, that that should be intriguing. Um, and uh, of course, Aromo Takahashi will challenge Desperado for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship on night two. That's the semi-main event on night two, on January the fifth. But the World Tag Champions will take on World Tag League Yoshihashi and Goto against ZSJ and Tai Chi on the second and the first night of Wrestle Kingdom in the semi-main event, which will be, if it's as good as the final night of the block night. It will be better than the books versus the Lucha Brothers. Be nice. It'll be that good. You may have the tag match of the year on the fourth of January, and nothing gets close to it because they were that good last time. So they're gonna have to come with something different. <laughs> but yeah, they were they were unreal. So we shall see anyway. But thank you for listening to the Troopany Show today. My name's James Troopany. You can find us at Sheriff Lonesight. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and on Patreon, The Troopany Show, where you can free to keep us free forever for everyone. Um, take care. Thank you, Ring of Honor, for being awesome for these last 20 years, and we hope you are back in April. And I'm saying that me and Marcus will be reviewing that first show when they come back, won't we, Marcus? Absolutely. There you go. That's a promise. Take care. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.